0: Welcome back to Kids Brain Detectives. I'm Dr. Jennifer Morrison, your host. I can't wait to share this week's episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. Morrison and Dr. Caldwell. The topic for today is one that I don't have a whole lot of information on, so this is where Dr. Caldwell is going to school me a little bit. We're going to be talking about parenting with love languages. Now, I thought this was a couples thing.
1: Is it? So, originally, yes, yeah, so this is this is a book called The Five Love Languages. It was written in ni- 1992 by Gary Chapman, and yes, it was it originated as a book to help romantic partners basically give and show love in consistent ways. But it has since been adapted into uh, many other versions, and one of which is how to utilize these strategies with kids. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So those of you who may be familiar with the original version, the ideas or points are the same, but we're going to be talking about how you apply those with kids. So
0: what is a love language?
1: So based on this book, there are five different ways that we give and receive love. And I'll give you the examples of these to kind of help highlight this point. So the first one is words of affirmation. So when you hear that term, what do you think?
0: So affirmation is positive things, words are words. So somebody saying nice things to you?
1: Yes. Somebody saying, giving you compliments, specific types of praise telling you things about your character that they like. Those are all affirming or validating words.
0: So it sounds like it would be something kind of specific, though. So not like, good job, but something like...
1: I love the way that you interact with other people and that you listen to them and make them feel heard. Or I love the way that you treated your brother when he was sad. Or I love the way that you you light up a room when you enter it because of your smile and your affection that you show others, things like that.
0: Sure, so very person-specific, character-driven, value-driven things that you are seeing a manifestation of that person and then you're commenting in a positive way as a compliment or a positive um, observation so that they can hear you noticing them for their assets.
1: Right, and, and, and you do try to steer away from, and this is bringing in other research and other topics, but you do try to steer away from Like, you're so smart or things that are very... You're so pretty. You're so... Yes. Things like that. You want it to be... You can make it situation specific. Like, great job. I know you worked so hard on that project. I loved seeing your perseverance. Things like that. Or more, like I mentioned earlier, kind of character traits.
0: So instead of, you look so beautiful today, something that maybe is personal in a different way. Like, I love how confident you look when you wear that dress.
1: Absolutely. That's a great example.
0: Like, you're really rocking this. And it has nothing to do with your physical appearance or your body structure or shape or anything like that that is not necessarily what we want our kids to get positive or negative messages on. It just is. Right. Right? Yes. Okay. So words of affirmation, compliments, and things like that. But are there others? Because there's some people that that's not their love language, right? You mean are there other
1: love languages? Right. So is oh, every, yeah. everybody no. loves these the same? No, no. So that's the first one. Quality time is another one. And that is exactly how it sounds. And, and actually in a, in a different segment, we talked about this idea of what it means to be engaged. And so when we say quality time here, this can look very different. But the idea behind it is if you put someone else in your place, like a babysitter or something, they would not do this in the same way that you would. So like taking your kid to a trampoline park, could be an example of quality time, but you really want to pick activities where your kid has a chance to engage with you.
0: So in a spousal situation, this would be doing shared activities that both people like. For a kid version, though, this but is going to be... Let me interrupt
1: you. Not necessarily shared activities that both people like. If you're trying to show somebody a love language, it would ah. be doing a shared activity that maybe maybe your spouse likes. Okay. To
0: show them. So this could be something that you're just tolerating yes that you are making sure that that person gets some time doing this thing with you because they really like it yes so in a kid parent situation this may mean not doing something that you really love it may mean
1: usually it's going to mean
0: doing something that you don't really
1: love but okay. to be honest i don't love to color and I don't love to there are certain puzzles or certain games that I don't prefer. Right. But I play them and I do that. I do it anyway.
0: Okay. So this would be recognizing then that your child has a thing mm-hmm. that they really enjoy and joining in to spend some quality time surrounding that thing that they love, even though it may not be your favorite. Exactly. So if your kid's really into Pokemon, does this mean you're playing Pokemon?
1: It may. Okay. Yeah, it may. You're so talking about Pokemon or going, you know, going on a, I don't really know much about Pokemon. so I can't You're hunting it.
0: the Pokemon, yeah, right?
1: <laughs> so yeah. so that, that is quality time. The next one is receiving gifts. And okay. I don't mean Tricky fitness, because
0: I right. Know, parents right now are hearing, I have to buy my kids things.
1: So this can look like a lot of different things. This could be this could be a note, which could also fall under words of affirmation. It could be a small trinket. It could be something maybe that they've been talking about for a long time, and and maybe you just feel like giving it to them. It, it could be many different things.
0: What if? So in my mind, I'm thinking about the financial aspect. I'm also, and this is not gloating. I am a particularly good gift I giver. That. Okay, and. The process of giving gifts is very validating for me.
1: So let me guess, is that your love language? Do you like receiving gifts?
0: Sort of. Okay.
1: I like receiving
0: thoughtful gifts. Okay. And it doesn't have to be pricey. I like it when somebody gives me a gift based on what they know about me that's very personal. Right? So I'll give you an example. Let's say that it is a specific day that's important for somebody in my family. I may choose a meal that's their favorite that nobody else really loves because it's a big day for them. Like my 12 year old's favorite meal is hamburgers and it can be hamburgers from someplace or hamburgers that we make at home, doesn't really matter. But if we're gonna have a really big something or other for my younger son, the gift of that moment to me is I'm gonna make a meal that I know I'm looking at you, buddy. I know you love burgers. We're having burgers for this meal. Or we're going to have some special something or other that's just for you that, to me, a gift can be a a choice of something that's very personally tailored. It can be a gift of time for something that's personally tailored. like. For me, the process of giving a gift should be based on what that person's known preferences are.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so any of that could apply.
0: And you know what the favorite gift for me is? What? The favorite gift to give? What? is this something I run across that's really small and seemingly meaningless, but it's almost like inside joke gifts.
1: Those are the best kind of gifts.
0: Absolutely, because yes. because they're like dollar store items, but you see it and you're like, oh, so-and-so would love
1: this. So, so think about that and apply it to your kids. Any of that, any of that could 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 work really well okay
0: so it doesn't have to be like the most expensive Xbox game ever
1: it honestly shouldn't be because that's why getting at here well because then that gets into that tricky territory of expectations and if you do that then maybe that's something that they expect and then you you get into fairness if you have siblings and so that's not the idea here is to do the something that is thoughtful like a hey I know that you've been wanting this or this made me think of you type thing
0: Right. So the made me think of you part, or I thought you would think this was really cool. Yes. Kinds of stuff. Yes. It's
1: and spontaneous.
0: Absolutely. It really is just proof that A, you pay attention enough to this person to know enough about them that you could personalize something. And secondarily, but that person was on your mind enough that you ran across something that you picked up or saw like, look at this cool feather I found on the ground. I thought you would think that this was really awesome. Or a rock. Right. Did I find this thing and think of you? Yes. Check, check. Now we are in love language territory, right? Because right. we're talking about I love you enough that I'm attentive to you, who you are as a person, and this thing made me think of you.
1: That's exactly what we're getting at here. So we have words of affirmation, quality time receiving gifts. The fourth is acts of service.
0: What does that look like?
1: So it can look, again, I'm going to say it can look like a lot of different things, but this is doing something for your kids on their behalf to benefit them in some way. So it can look like, and it's. I feel like it's easier to come up with ways to do this in adults, but it can look like.
0: Like a cause they're really into.
1: It, well, it could be like that, but I think of more like doing a task that you know they really don't want to do oh.
0: and taking it off their plate.
1: So there's this behavior
0: strategy that this is an, a whole nother conversation too, but there's a behavior strategy where you create household chores and there's a set of popsicle sticks that have the chores written on yes, them. Yes. You blindly do a chore that you pull out. So all the members of the family. We At my house, we use a spinner. So I have an app on my phone that has a spinner that has all of the, each of the wedges is a household tour and each of us will take two or three spins. So I might get wiped down the toilets in the guest bathroom and my 12 year old might you know, have to 409 the counters in the kitchen and my husband might have to fold the towels in the dryer, right? So we're all taking a piece of this household puzzle. So if we were going to do a gift of service then, or an act of service, it might be a situation where I know my husband hates laundry and he spins towels and I say, I'll swap towels for this other thing that you're not going to hate quite so much.
1: Or even maybe instead of swapping, maybe you say, you know what, you've had a hard week. I'm going to take yours.
0: So you could do the same thing with your kids. Like if their normal evening routine is that they have to set the table for dinner and you know they're still working on their homework and it's almost dinner time, that you would maybe look at your 12-year-old and say, hey, buddy, I'm going to help set the table for you because I know you're working on that project. I can see how hard you're working, and I want to make sure you get that done.
1: Absolutely. Active service? Yep. Perfect. If you have a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old who's driving and you notice they're low on gas and they have a stressful day the next morning, maybe you go out, you fill their car with gas, you make them breakfast, you get their clothes ready for them, something like that. You pick up the slack when you know they're needing
0: it. Okay, but let's back up for just a second. Because what you were saying is that these things should be extras, right? So this means that you would have to set up a scenario where you're not already in charge of all of these things for your teenager. Yes. Okay. That's a different topic. Yes. It's a different topic Then at that point we're going to talk about uh-huh. the division of labor within your house and what part is parent stuff and what parts maybe not if we're trying to raise independent kids so if that's something important take a look for that in some of our launching pad elements but,
1: but that is an important distinction it can't be oh it's an act of service because I made you dinner tonight because guess what my kids are two and four we make them dinner every night that's every not single an night of, that's not an act of service okay. it has to be outside of the the norm
0: okay yeah. got it yeah. so that's four is there a fifth one
1: the fifth one physical touch. And it's exactly how it sounds. So this is giving your kids affection, whether that's hugs, kisses, maybe some kids, it just depends on the kids. Some kids are super affectionate, some are not. I've got
0: a prickly 15 year old that physical affection is something that we have to tread really, really carefully with.
1: And I have a prickly two year old where it's the same. My four year old will always give you a hug. He, He wants hugs, he seeks closeness. My two year old is affectionate, but it is a hundred percent on his own terms.
0: Okay. So the 15 year old version of this, same. He was the same as a toddler. He wanted it to be on his own terms. He loved hugs, but he wanted to be the hugger, not Uh the huggy. And to this day, he is just, and we physically have had a conversation about this where I need physical affection. And I've looked at my 15 year old and said, I know that you don't need this from me. I physically need to be in contact with you. I need to hug you or hold your hand, or pet you on the arm to show you that I love you and to feel your closeness. Just like when you were a baby, when I used to hold you and feed you and take care of you. Those things help our connection grow. So we sat and had a conversation. What kinds of physical contact do you like? Well, of course, my 15-year-old, and I'm not trying to mock him to make his, I don't like any of it. Okay, right? (laughs) So, okay, which ones can you tolerate? I'm fine if you put your hand on my On my knee. I'm fine if you hug me. I'm fine if you hold my hand sometimes as long as we're not in public. What are you not okay with? I hate it when you touch my face. So if I've got food on my face, I don't want you to like try to rub it off. Okay, great. So we're setting boundaries for this because I need that physical affection.
1: Well, and that is that is actually our next point, Dr. Morrison. Fantastic. So I really, I guess a part we hadn't gotten to yet with the love love languages is that how we, we all have our own love languages, and you can probably look at this list and prioritize which ones you, yours are. Is there a better way than that? There's There are there are quizzes. Yes. Oh, so nice. The, which maybe we have show notes. We're going to
0: do it. Okay, um, quizzes. Look at the bottom. There's quizzes. We just inserted them, like at least intended to. So they're going to be there. Look down below.
1: Yeah, so you can take one for yourself. They also have a child version. You can have your child take this. And the really, really important thing here is we gravitate towards – giving love in the way that we like to receive it. So if your love language, for instance, and I don't know that this is actually yours, but if yours is gifts, what are you going to do a lot to other people to show love? Give gifts. Right. <laughs> what if your 15 year old's love language isn't gifts?
0: It's totally not gifts.
1: Okay. Well, in the, gra- the example with physical touch, that is your love language. And so that's probably how you show him love. That's not his. And so There is a it's a dance or it's a balance here, but it's helpful for us to know what our own love languages are to also know what our children's are and then to meet somewhere in the middle to make sure that, you know, even if I don't love physical touch that I am I am hugging my kids or even if I don't, you know, so much care about acts of service that if I know that that is my child's that I am doing that for him or her.
0: Maybe this is a sassy question, but is it untoward to tell someone what your love language is so that they can please you? Is that a bad thing? Like if I said, acts of service, they're my thing. So if you come to the trunk and help me with the groceries and I don't need to ask you, that feels like so much love from you.
1: Is I that... They used to, I, so yes, I, I agree with that. But I think you set this up as almost like a family meeting of, you know, I I think a lot of families do something where they talk about, you know, values or some people have like a, you know, every month they sit down and they talk about what's going well within the family, what's not or a game night or things like that. So You could set this up as like a family meeting of, hey, we've we've been introduced to these concepts and we want to try them out at home and see how they work. And so everybody does the quiz and you kind of make it a game like let's let's figure out you could even do it where like, okay, I'm going to guess what yours is and then you're going to take this quiz and we're going to see. Right, um, and you figure out what everyone's is, and then you you don't try to control it so much from there. So you don't you don't say to your kid, you know, this is mine, and then wait for them to do something. But you just have everybody.
0: But if you have. I love you, oldest child of mine. If you have a clueless child who's not going to necessarily pick up the subtleties of your love language without some explicit cues.
1: Then I think you give the explicit right? cues. Yes. To
0: say, you know what? This is your version of showing me love.
1: Well, I, know. I think you did that with the physical touch. I think okay. that's exactly what you did.
0: And he's and he and I have set some real clear boundaries and he's fine with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And And it works out really well because I'm getting my needs met, but I'm not stomping on his needs at the same time, right? It's a right. real balanced approach.
1: But I think this tool while, you know, the research behind it, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it can be a really powerful tool because we may be showing our kids love in ways that they don't receive it best. For example, you know, if you're if my gift is is if my love language is gifts and I'm giving my kids lots of gifts, but really what my child wants is words of affirmation, this allows me to see, wow, how much am I really doing that? Maybe right. not as much as I
0: should. So you may be thinking you're doing all of the right things to support your child, but you're sending it. If if this is truly languages, it's almost like your kid needs love languages in English, but you're sending Mandarin love, exactly. right? Like, or it's some other, right. It's, good, in, it's but... in Spanish. It's lost in translation. It's something right. your child can't benefit from the same way would if they were in the same love language, and you were sharing your love with that same kind of meshed version.
1: Exactly. And so like I said, you could do this if you have older kids. You know, you could do this as like a family meeting. Let's, let's, t- I'll take the quiz and let's figure it out. You could make it fun. Or if you have kids that are, you know, like my age and really too young, you can take a stab at what you think that theirs are, what their top ones are. And you just kind of trial and error it.
0: Well, isn't that though, where you were talking about people tending to use the love languages that they prefer. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't this just mean sitting back and watching a little bit and seeing how your kids are showing affection to you? Like, are they helpful kids? Wouldn't the two-year-old version of an active service be to help you clean up when you're cleaning up?
1: Yes. Okay. You do the chores or... Right. Yeah, like my two-year-old likes to... uh, It's Actually, it is helpful when I'm putting the wet clothes from the wash into the dryer. He loves to stand there and and have me hand him all the wet clothes and he puts them in the dryer. It saves me from bending down 30 times. I love (laughs) it. And it's
0: also teaching him to be able to do laundry as an adult. So bonus, right? Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. So sit back, watch, observe, put these things into practice and then see what happens.
0: Wonderful. I'm going to try out some love languages. Thanks for your talk, Dr. Caldwell.
1: Absolutely. Until next time.
0: Welcome back to this segment of Parenting Pointers. This is Dr. Morrison and Dr. Caldwell. This one, we couldn't come up with a great title because it could have gone a couple of different directions. But really, what I think we're going to go with is from a parenting standpoint, what we want you to do is to try to take the opportunity to use some authentic enthusiasm. So we're going to break that down because it sounds like big words all clustered together. But Dr. Caldwell had this really great quote. It's one of my favorite quotes, too, that I think is a great conversation starter for this one.
1: So this comes from Toni Morrison, and she says, When my children used to walk in the room when they were little, I looked at them to see if they had buckled their trousers or if their hair was combed or if their socks were up. You think your affection and your deep love is on display because you're caring for them. It's not. When they see you, they see the critical face. What's wrong now? Basically, let your face speak what is in your heart. When they walk into the room, my face says, I am glad to see them. It's just as small as that.
0: So let's break this down into a couple of pieces. The first part I think is most important is to think about what your kids are going to remember about you. (laughs) So we only have this short period of time before they're adults and they move out of our house. And when you have little kids and your children are smaller, the way that I describe parenting is like Groundhog Day in a time warp because it all feels like the same day. Every single day, especially if you've got great routines, it feels like the same darn day and that before you know it, you'll look up and your kids are like years older and it's like you got into this weird wormhole and flash forwarded through time. So part of this process is to recognize that although it feels never ending sometimes, that when we look back that this time frame is actually really pretty short. Mm-hmm. I have a 15-year-old in my house that literally I can remember from the moment that he was born and it feels like the longest and the shortest relationship of my life all at the same time. So, if what we have is this limited time frame to help our kids know us and to get to know them, The question is, what are they gonna remember about you? Like if you think about the totality of the input that you give your kids, if it has to do with whether they've got a stain on their uniform or whether their hair looks terrible for church, table
1: manners, whether
0: they brush their teeth today all of these things, I have boys, none of these things happened, right? (laughs) Like their clothes are always dirty. My 15 year old's a tinkerer. Our major rule is that you have to change clothes before you go disassemble engines in the garage, because I am tired of replacing very expensive khaki school shorts because they've got grease all over them. That literally never comes out. If you know a secret for grease removal, let me know. But part of this process as a bigger picture kind of standpoint is to take a step back and think, when he's 30, is all he's going to remember of me that I complained about the grease on his pants all the time? Like, is that going to be the mom that he remembers? And it breaks my heart because I know that this is a large part of the time that we spend together. is me criticizing, critiquing, correcting, redirecting. Like, do you feel like when you're parenting a two and four-year-old, which is the boys that you have at your house, do you feel like a, there's a lot of correction involved?
1: Oh yes, like at dinner time, it's eat over your plate, sit up straight, don't kick, don't take your shoes off. It's it's
0: don't touch it's, your brother, don't touch your brother. Don't generally,
1: your brother. I mean, I do lose my temper at times, but generally, it's gentle corrective feedback. But so much of it is corrective feedback, or you know, even going into their room in the middle of the night or early in the morning and saying, why, like, why are you up right now? Right. So I, I think about that and and what my face is conveying, and, and that being the first interaction. Sure. And it doesn't feel so great.
0: It doesn't. And so basically, Toni Morrison's first initial statement is you feel like you're caring for your kids because you're caring for their welfare. You're making sure they look right. They eat their food. They learn some basic rules. And these are all essential parenting rules. Neither of us is saying that you shouldn't do this. It's unavoidable. We have to. Absolutely. If you're not doing this, then there's something wrong, right? right. But we can also intentionally focus on how our children see the love in a different way. So we know that we love through redirection. I tell my kids all the time, I love you enough to set boundaries for you. And these are just words for my 12 and 15 year old, because they will not understand it until they are parents themselves, probably, or they have a dog or somebody that they're having to care for other than themselves. But the part that we're wanting to focus in on this one is that your love, especially This is especially key for our little kids that don't understand your words just yet. Absolutely. All they see is your nonverbal communication, the amount of eye contact you're using, your facial expressions, your gestures, the way that your face shows an emotion for our littlest kids is the part that they connect with the most. Your words, they're still just learning what those mean. So if what we're wanting to do is to capitalize on that, then to Tony's point, when they see your face. Do you want them to see your critical face? Or do you want them to see the love in your heart that you have for them shine through in your facial expression?
1: It's hard. What about when they're uh, making poor choices or doing stuff to get under your skin? What about, what about then? What does that look like?
0: So personally, I'm going to go with, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. There's times that the I think of it as the pickle face. The face that you make when you're a little bit grumpy and their behavior is making you have this kind of sour face, that's going to happen. But I think I also would call attention to that and be like, hey, do you see this pickle face I'm making right now? It is because I do not like this choice that you made. I love you and you are special and important to me. You know better than this and I want to see better than this. Let's pick a different something or other. And then when they change and shift to be in a place where you can say, yep, I love that, buddy. That's exactly what I want. And you can lose your pickle face a little bit,
1: which this is totally a conversation for a different day, but I love your example right there because this differentiates between guilt and shame. We want our children to experience guilt sometimes. Like what, what I just did is not aligned with, with my, my core values or who I want to be. That's guilt. Shame is I did this thing because I am bad or I right. did this thing because and and in our narrative with our kids what you just the example that you just gave can help them make that differentiation.
0: Absolutely because we want them to recognize that the behavior was something that they can control that they could make a different choice and have a different outcome but that who they are as a person will always be the same and will always always be lovable and always be wonderful. We have a family rule at my house now we are, we are not counselors by trade and we don't do couples work. But that whole don't go to bed angry thing, which I think does not necessarily hold water in adult relationships, but with kids, I think is really important. I didn't grow up in a household that necessarily used this rule. There was a lot more like, I'm angry at you because you did this thing, which was a parenting style that that i was exposed to my husband is always as is always the case for me the balancing act in my life didn't see his parents fight frequently and and i saw more conflict in my house so merging that as a parent is a little bit weird but part of the conversation that we had always is hey this is maybe how your parent chose to do things but you don't have to choose that so very early on we decided we were going to make sure that our kids knew that we loved them no matter what And so every night before bed, whether it's been a good night or a bad night, we have the same routine and it involves making sure kids shower and brush and all the cleanliness stuff that you're supposed to do before you go to bed, climbing into bed, turning off the lights, making sure their rooms feng shui is how they like it. You know, one of my sons likes a nice dark room with just a little bit of light. One likes a much brighter room and we've got to make sure all the lights are the way that they are covers the way they are, stuffed animals the way that they normally like to be, pillows aligned, and then there's a song every single night, and it's a song that I've sung to my kids. Each of their songs is different, and it gets sung every single night, even if I'm pissed off, even if we've had a bad day, even if my kid's failing Spanish, even if you know these disappointing life things are happening, I shut it off. And I sing the song. We and do I the same
1: thing. I never take away the song.
0: Absolutely. Look him in the eye. Tell him I love him. Hug him and say, tomorrow we're going to have a better day. Because essentially what you want is for your kids to see your heart shine through in your face. The final example I'm going to give on this one is that I wrote a blog not too long ago that says we should try to channel our dogs a little bit more. And both of us have big dogs. And you may have a little dog at your house or cats or some other animal, but we'll use the dog example for this one. The way that I keep myself in check when it comes to the pickle face that I carry around, like you can call it a resting whatever face, but I try to make sure that it's not the critical face all the time by remembering How much affection that I have for the big red dog that lives in my house, I have a fox red lab, which means that he's half chocolate lab, half yellow lab, slightly reddish, very enthusiastic, always enthusiastic. So every time I come in the house, it's like he's seeing me for the first time, go out to check the mail, literally gone for 30 seconds, come back in the house. Oh my gosh, you're back. He's wagging his tail. He's jumping all over the place. He's ready for a hug. I try to channel my dog as much as I can when I see my kids. So even if I got a call from the principal, right? This happens on occasion. Something happened at school. My 15-year-old's in trouble for something. My 12-year-old's got 17 missing assignments in Spanish. Why it's always the Spanish class, I don't know. But whatever's happened throughout the day, When I see my kids at carpool time or when I come into the house from work and I'm seeing my children for the first time, I am channeling my dog every single time. I want my kids to literally see the mom version of wagging my tail. So happy to see you with a smile and a hug. How was your day? I'm so glad to see you. We can deal with the problems of the day later. In those first few moments, I want my kids to remember when I saw them that my love for them shined through in my body language, my gestures, my facial expressions. What does this look like at your house? Because I'm sure not everybody wants to channel their dog every single time they think about how they want their children to perceive them. How do you think about it?
1: I I think about it in a very similar way. I love the dog (laughs) example, but I think it is the, you know, at times you do have to do the, the redirection. You do lose your temper, but I try to make it a very quick switch back to. I always love you I love you no matter what and let's move on either let's try that again if we need to or let's move on and let's let's have a good rest of the day and then at, at night it's the same thing we we do the same bedtime routine it looks the same no matter what their behavior was that day and now every kid is different but I do find that I sometimes get this back I, they they reciprocate the feeling and the emotion I can't tell you how good that feels sure. for to be the one who's having a bad day and get that hug of you know mommy, I love you so much. So, yeah, I think I think that if our intentions are that, then we may not get it right every time, but that they will they will see that.
0: Sure. Well, and I think that's also again, I think we're segueing into other topics at some point. But if we lead our interactions with our kids with criticism, guess what they're going to lead with in their interactions with us? Yes. Absolutely. I want my kids, just like they did when they were two and four, like yours, to act like it's the most awesome thing in the world when I come into the room. Now, I have a 12 and 15 year old, so I don't get quite the authentic enthusiasm that I did when they were younger. But I do get, even from my prickly porcupine of a 15 year old, a hug and a kiss every single time I come into the room from wherever we are apart to rejoin because this is something that we've tried for from the time that they were little and it doesn't have to be something that you have done from the time that they were infants to make you this can work start it whenever. anytime because all you're doing at this moment is making sure that your kids recognize that you love them through your gestures body language and affection even if there's other times you got to carry your resting mom pickle face or whatever you want to call it.
1: This is how you teach them that they belong.
0: Absolutely. This is how you create a place where you can engage with them, show them that you're a part of their world and they're a part of yours and that you are creating this family system together. It's not something that you solely carry the responsibility for. And showing them through your modeling how affection looks means that they're going to show you back in the way that, that you show them. So, be affectionate the way you want your 15-year-old to be affectionate at some future version of you if you have littler kids.
1: Channel your inner dog.
0: That's right. Wag your tail, sister. You've got this. This week, try to show your kids and every week a lot of authentic enthusiasm when you see them because they need to see your heart show up in your face, in your hugs, in your kisses, in the tone of voice, and the smile on your face. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Kids Brain Detectives. We hope you enjoyed your time here with me, Dr. Morrison, and my colleague, Dr. Katie Caldwell. We sure enjoyed talking with you and look forward to talking with you again soon. Check out the show notes and we'll catch you next time.